Hey, this is Gordon. It's Allison. And this is Just Add Soy Sauce. Episode 9. I gotta say it this time. Okay, good. Yeah, I forgot for a second. (laughs) Um, Alright, so we've been talking a lot about our conversations around Asian American identity, Asian American story. I think the audience has a bit of a flavor about our personalities, right? And For better or worse, yeah. Yes. For better. We're, we're cool people. I think so. Anyways, uh, <laughs> the audience might disagree. I'm silent over here. But anyway, so yeah, so we were thinking about this and, you know, yeah, we've talked a lot about our thoughts and... I think it's time for you guys to get to know us individually. So it only made sense. We've been talking about, okay, it's, Identity. Important, it's important to find your story and, you know, why we should do that. And so it's just, uh, it's a natural next step. Here's a case study. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about a case study, but I, I don't like to say call it case study. It was a joke. <laughs> Shut up. And then anyway, so no, no, no. What I'm thinking is here. How did I want to th- put this? I was like... It makes sense only because we've talked about a lot about identity work, mm-hmm. but I don't know if people know our identity. <laughs> I don't know if we've actually done a good job of explaining who we are. And um, as far as we know so far, as yeah. far as we know so far, yeah. and so it makes sense to kind of start there. I know our first couple of episodes, as we introed the podcast, we talked a lot about like collectively things that we feel as pillars. Right for yeah, our identities, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, Family, faith, like wise friends. Those episodes mm-hmm. were all about what we feel as our pillars that have shaped us. But this episode and probably the one after this is just going to focus on our individual stories. Yeah, and yeah? just more of a global like snapshot view. Like there's some checkpoints. How, how can you talk about your whole life? You know. We won't. Don't worry. Segment. Yeah. Don't worry. Um, uh, But Gordon's gonna go first, and then I'm taking the next episode to share mine. But your turn. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I think just. Who are you? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I'm trying to get you like a platform to like go in, start talking about yourself. (laughs) I don't think there's a non-awkward way of doing it, but yeah, we just we thought about just doing. just checkpoints and I'll probably just do it chronologically more or less and what do you mean to say checkpoints you mean like milestones in your life is that what or, you're talking or about it's like how do you how do you break down your life like in a story form you know on a podcast and so it's just like we kind of just well I did it just like kind of just titled the season of, of life or an aspect of my life and then you I'm, labeled yourself certain things yeah and then just we just talk we'll just talk about it yeah yeah and just be warned, you know, these labels are strictly made up to de- describe Gordon. There are not any labels, hopefully, that we're placing on other people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, it's just to describe something as quickly and as effectively as possible. It wasn't, it's not to describe anyone else. And as you can see, we have very little practice with telling people about ourselves, apparently. But yeah, and I think that's why it's <laughs> so important, because like maybe in the social media or podcast sphere... Like you kind of need examples to kind of be like, so what exactly are you talking about? And so it's just like, we're just tr- trying to back up what we say in a way. There you go. I think we're yeah. just trying to establish some credibility and just make sure that we're honest with you all about who we are. And how hard are. finding your story is, really. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so so we understand what we're asking. So anyways. Yes. Um, brace yourself. Here we go. So yeah. Top, First label. Top 10. So number one. <laughs> um, I would describe myself as a, a ponderer slash hall monitor. 
That's and so, so confusing. You got to That's exactly that how I would describe it. And that's exactly what I would say. I am very confusing. But ponderer, like, I didn't want to say thinker or whatever because I don't think I'm very academic. I'm not really a, a huge reader. I wouldn't say I'm, I'm highly intellectual, but um, I do think about a lot of things. And so much so, like, like Allison would be like, no, you can't ask me that question right now. Like, you know, no. like, I think about, like, a lot of whys. I'm like, why does that happen? You know, and... And you're like, no. And she's like, I'm not ready for this. <laughs> like, huh, I just want to go to sleep. I can't or, have this conversation with yeah, you. Yeah, right exactly. Now. You I say can't that to break me this down lot. with you. <laughs> and, and yeah, ever since a kid, I, I think I naturally grew up that way. And, um, and, you know, in the previous episode, we talked about, you know, family dynamics or your family story. So I guess how I would relate that ponderer mentality in me and how that happened in my household is that my parents specifically they didn't terrorize me you know they didn't shout or yell a ton uh you know there wasn't a lot of like spanking involved or whatever and they didn't necessarily uh force me to do a a ton of things there there were things that they really wanted me to do that I, I disagreed with but for the most part I attribute my free thinking and me just like being able to just sit and meditate and consider and reflect uh, to the house that I was in, that they didn't just like force me to do a ton of stuff. I was always fascinated about that because you typically think about an Asian American story and you think of the tiger parent or whatever. Exactly, yeah. But your parents are totally not like that. Yeah, almost almost too hands off in a way. And but but yeah, I, I attribute that uh, my free thinking to them just kind of not not being heavy handed on me. Yeah. And then the hall monitor part was something that I. I haven't learned till recently, but all my thoughts where if I saw something that wasn't consistent, um, I would just call it out in a very antisocial way. So if like some type of authority figure or leadership and I didn't think they belonged there and be like, you don't belong here. It's like pretty much like, you know, I would put my foot in my mouth so, so much because I would just have these thoughts and I would, I wouldn't filter and I would say them. And honestly, I would get myself in trouble a lot. Um, not until recently, you know, my better half here has just told me, he's like, just don't talk. Like, Stop saying that. It makes it sound so oppressive. <laughs> it's not like you can force me to do anything, but you're just giving me advice to be like, oh, don't, don't speak here. You know, like, don't, don't say anything here. Yeah. And you can't stop me from thinking, but you can suggest I don't speak. I'm encouraging you to exercise self-control. Yeah, exactly. How about that? Yeah. No, but there, there is a power in knowing when to speak, which I have not practiced. Um, okay, that leads us to number two. <clears throat> I am an academic cheater. Um, mm. So mm. even though I pondered a lot, I had a lot of deep thoughts, and I used my brain. Um, but ever since, meaning you're not. I mean, you, I feel like you're a pretty smart guy. Sixth grade. So if you know, if anyone that's not in the U.S., well, that would be ten years old, eleven years old, eleven years old, and on. Whenever it came to maybe a test, I would find some way to make sure I passed that test. Yes, I studied, but I had almost like a safeguard that that I would somehow cheat. And I wouldn't cheat in every class, uh, but there there would be every single school year till all the way through, I would say, all the way through till I graduated, you know, college. Like there was, would be some level of cheating every single year. That's how I got through. That's how I got through the public school system. Um, that's how I got the grades that I got. 
Dude, I hope you disclosing this won't like get you into jail or something. <laughs> For what? For cheating. Oh, that's fine. That sounds so that's fine. horrible. If the FBI come knocking on our door and be like, we're going to take back your, your bachelor's. Your degree. In your, in your major. I'm like, keep it. Take it. Uh-oh. <laughs> Do I get Uh-oh. a refund? For, for what I put in. But yeah, so anyways, so that's, so number three, um, I'm a social sidestepper. I was accepted into, to one of the schools in San Francisco that was harder to get into, like a public school. But that entailed that I actually like lost, I would say 95 to 99% of my friends that I had uh, already, like, cause those friends went to another school. And so that was really difficult for me to step into this prime time of your life where you kind of really develop your social identity. I didn't want to, and I, I was very comfortable in the friends that I'd had already. And I didn't want to, um, climb that social ladder. Like mm-hmm. it was just too tedious and difficult. And, and I couldn't win that way anyways. Like it was clear. Um, so I just kind of ditched it and sidestepped it. And, you know, even when I recall times in my life, Uh, now like I actually have very fond memories of it but Mm -hmm. I found a small group of other guys that that also you know sidestepped that hierarchy and um and we're just a bunch of ragtag misfits that kind of I was gonna say I feel like a good word for it I didn't want to say outcast but I think misfits is a nice word yeah Yeah. and we kind of found each other and they just happened to not be Asian and not have anything Mm -hmm. to do with being Chinese American or whatever not that I was like trying to avoid that but it just those misfits weren't yeah that. yeah 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 and you know and, and my eyes opened a little more mm-hmm. um to how the world works and i had i had a great time uh you know with with that group um we kind of had a very codependent symbiotic relationship with felt, this group of non-asian people you're talking about yeah okay with these, guys. With these guys yeah. okay and, yeah, and yeah, we yeah. Were really, we were pretty close yeah and we hung out a lot we did a lot of stuff together we did a lot of healthy activities together and, and unhealthy, but I realized wherever we went, there was this advantage of not being stereotyped. Mm, because, mm. like, we were such an odd group. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, no one can pin us for anything. <laughs> yeah. So we weren't yeah. necessarily treated poorly or well. It was just, like, we were treated fairly because they oh, couldn't they couldn't stereotype us yeah and so wherever we went we we would be more or less given the time of day and i just thought that was really refreshing for me as an asian american yeah <laughs> you know because i felt other things when i would go on my own or when i go, would go with another group of asian americans right and and we would never necessarily discuss this uh, seriously but we would jokingly do this but we would almost naturally like when we're in a situation and like white privilege would help us we were like, hey, you, the white guy, you do this. You order that for us or you go up front or, yeah, you know. Yeah, there was or, an understanding almost. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. it would, this would work out for us best. And it's like, if we needed someone to be belligerent and loud, we got the, the other dude. And he's like, you do your thing, dude. And it's like, and when it came to me, it's just like, oh, we're about to get in trouble. So it comes the Chinese guy, it goes to the authority figure and lie my pants off. Like, oh, sir, I, I didn't know we weren't supposed to do that. Oh, oh, you're right. You're, you're, I'm so sorry. And we would get out of it. We totally get out of it. That is actually really true. I yeah. don't know that you've ever described it that way. I know. I just came to me today. I'm just like, and and so we we understood these social dynamics, these injustices, really. But we kind of tried to leverage it for our selfish, you know, needs at the moment. Yeah. Um. But but 
but in that time where I was trying to develop my social identity, I was realizing it's like not everything is simple. Not yeah. everything is black and white, right and wrong, and there are right. these nuances that at play here. Um, yeah. And so you're a misfit. That's one of your. Yeah. No. Totally. Yeah. 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 Totally. Totally. Um, but but when when those friends weren't around, because obviously I wasn't around them all the time, like. Mm-hmm. I was kind of a loner then, you know, because yeah. like I wouldn't put myself in a situation where I would be more exposed as a misfit Correct. to yeah. try to fit in, right? Right, right. And so I guess that that covers my whole teenage life. Um, that and, and explains we, a lot, actually. Does it? <laughs> no, really. That I think I've never heard you explain it that way before. Yeah, and it just kind of came. Epiphany in. moment. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Huh. And so okay, so now we're we talked about um, how we kind of met and stuff like that. So around that time. Uh, so number four, I'm a Christian. I grew up in church, and we, we already talked about how we kind of came, how I came to faith, how Allison came to faith, uh, in another episode. But I would say that um, confidently, but with, with such an open posture. Like I, I grew up in church, and but I never read the Bible really. I would say there's a good handful of times that like a lot of like atheists or people with a uh, with a past, with a painful past from a church experience or from a religious experience or from, um, and just to be honest, like from a very uh, a liberal background, they would come at me and they would say something and like, they, I would just lose the argument. I was like, <gasps> like I can't defend Christianity, uh-huh. you know, but, yeah. but at the same time, I realized I didn't read the Bible then. I didn't even know who God was at the time. Right. But, but here I am. I, I, I do have a relationship with Jesus. I do believe I'm actually, I want to know what someone else believes or what someone else feels. Mm-hmm. And it won't threaten what I believe. Right, you know? right, right. And, and no one's going to change my mind. It's like, I actually right. know the Bible now. Right. And I actually know what it says. I, I, I understand the whole point of it. Uh-huh. So it doesn't mean I won't be stumped or challenged or quote unquote, lose an argument again. Yeah. I'm going to think it's a lot harder to do so now. But because I actually know who and what I believe. Yeah. But... I say I'm a Christian, but it's just like I, I want I want to hear what other what other people believe, you know. Yeah. And I, I'm open to talking about that. Right. Number five. Well, before you go yeah. on from there, like I would remember stories in the past when we were early on in our relationship, and you would tell me about arguments that you had about your faith. Like people would actually come to you, and and I think there was a person that you said was an atheist at one point, and you mm-hmm. guys had a falling out because you weren't willing to listen and you just kept trying oh, to argue. Yes, Do you remember yeah. that? I, I totally burned that bridge. Yeah. yeah. I apologized to him when, when I became a real Christian, but, <laughs> and, and he was very gracious in receiving that. But, um, but yeah. yeah. Well, I only bring that up because I remember there was a posture that you had at one point where mm-hmm. it was hard for me to believe that people even had those conversations like that. Like the argumentative conversations about theology and about faith and about just that whole, I don't know what you call it, apologetics, that's what they call it. Okay. Um, And so um, I was just shocked because at the time, it was early on in our relationship, I was just coming back to the faith and I'm Mm -hmm. like, what? People really actually talk about this and even have falling outs and arguments about it? It was beyond me. Yeah. 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 Anyway, it was just a side point, but you're a very different person now. Yeah, I, I remember many, many times. I, I wouldn't say many times, but but how um, Christianity can seem very closed. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, you know, I we told a story, or I told a story on on a previous episode about a, a Christian interaction that I had on a, a university campus. Mm-hmm. And on that same campus, 
uh, brought up by that that same organization <laughs> with the same great pair of dudes um you know they put up like a, a, a an eight foot plywood wall and it's it looks like an open book right mm, mm-hmm. and then they're trying i understood what they were trying to do they're trying to say hey let's have an open conversation about faith mm. and, and they they the first question which was like you know spray painted on this plywood is um is jesus real mm. you know or whatever mm. and so I was like, interesting. And it's opened like a book. So one plywood is connected to another plywood. So yeah. it's kind of like a swinging door. Yeah. And so, so it could stand up on its own, right? And you can see all these, all these people um, coming and writing, you know, and generally like they're writing yes or no, yay or nay. And, and the part where I felt like that's the ponderer in me. I'm like, this is so obvious that on one side, one side of the wall, all these very platitude-like, non-persuasive Christian religious things are like, <laughs> of course he's real. You know, and then and then you know, and yeah. then someone else like with a very intellectual argument being like, "Yeah, your Christians killed my dad," and you know, yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. it's like, yeah. how can Jesus be real? It's like, oh, he's real, all right. He murdered that, you know, and yeah. and all these real personal stories, and then, yeah. and I'm like, okay, on the left plywood, it's Christians who don't read the Bible like me, <laughs> and then on the right side of the plywood, it's just like people who who are searching, who have been hurt, who have an experience. Who, who are speaking out and dude you two standing there that questioned me about my faith go talk to these people <laughs> they want to be heard right yeah, but here yeah. here it is like we're here we are othering each other right mm. and so here i am the obnoxious self of me <laughs> i go up and it's like i'm the guy who doesn't read my bible and i'm supposed to write on the left but i'll write on the right side because because they didn't tell you which side are you right? serious yeah but they clearly but people are clearly pinning each other against each other yeah left side is jesus is real right side is jesus is not real so i, I went on the right side and i, I wrote something <laughs> just to be like take that take that how you like that of course you would of course you're, i would you're totally that type of course i would right totally would. and so things like that where it's just like that didn't contribute to that dialogue or yeah or that hey i want to know you as a person yeah and so whatever that is yeah and that is still a struggle today yeah and and i'm not saying it's like this for everyone but i'm it's more or less it's not so much a an argument about what christianity is or what it isn't but it's like a lot of the times i'm not even saying you know majority of the time but a lot of the times it, there's something that you could pin it on as oh you've had a negative experience with a a yeah Yeah. with a person or people group and it's like dude i want to hear about that because you and i we have the same ones you know but we didn't we didn't land on the same decision of i reject you know all christianity right and so it's just like i'm open to hearing that i'm and we're empathetic to that right but we can never get to that conversation because we're kind of talking about something else right and so right yeah Sorry, I derailed that for you. you Anyways, yeah. Anyways, number five. That was five. a good story. I didn't realize. I, I don't think you told me that one. <laughs> I think I have. I think you I have. You have? Yeah. I don't and after I wrote on the right that. side of the board, that 6'2 Korean guy came up to me like, hey, buddy, you remember oh. me? I'm like, yes, I remember you. I wrote on the wrong side on purpose, okay? <laughs> oh. Yeah, I was like. Maybe you did tell yeah, me. Yeah, I'm like, oh, you wow. don't get it. <laughs> Just okay, like, sorry. Keep going. Yeah, keep going, like, keep going. leave me alone, bro. <laughs> Yeah. Anyways, uh, number five, um, I'm a, I'm a husband, and you're a great husband. Okay. Here, Is that here, what you're trying to say? Here's twenty bucks. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. So what are you trying to say? No, I'm trying to say like um, what I observed as a husband is, um, to be honest, I got more respect from who? 
See, that's no, no, just <laughs> just like in general, just like in general. Really? Where, yeah, like、uh, how I describe it is like you know, growing up as as just being a misfit, but finally being a husband, like. Like even though I was just that ponderer, very antisocial, very obnoxious guy, the fact that I was married to you, like oh, it was like a status. Yeah, like my sta- <laughs> my status went up. Your status did not go up. That's not true. But、That's、but my、true. status definitely got up. And I I, I was like, why is people treating me so well? Like you know, I'm not used to that. I'm I'm used to, I'm I know what what should happen in a situation.、Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, I'm being treated overall better. This is strange. <laughs> And you know, I, and I describe it to people who kind of know us. I'm like, no one ever introduces us as a couple as, oh, this is you know Gordon's wife, Allison. It's it's everybody knows you, <laughs> and I'm like the guy in the back. It's like, oh, this is Allison's husband. Oh, that's him. What's his name? It's like, what's that dude's name? <laughs> Wang Chung. It's like, you know, it's just like, yeah. And so definitely, my status kind of went up and. Maybe partially true, and I've gotten more opportunities just to like、yeah. speak to people,、yeah. just by the fact that I'm married to you. But if I was just walking alone by myself, no, I would not. I would not be able to have these things. <laughs> so that's what you okay? You that's one ob- that observation out of many、husband. things. Yeah,、okay. yeah, that I have access to other things because、right. I'm married to you. Anyways, interesting.、Um, and, and we got married、um, when we were both in grad school. Yeah.、Um, but so number six,、uh, I'm a grad school quitter.、Um, We were we were arguing a lot. We were pretty heavy in grad school debt. We were both like right in the middle of our programs, like one and a half years in. Yeah. And and there was a total three year programs for each of us. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess this kind this this does kind of fit, and I'll kind of describe it like this. So、uh, I'm a ponderer. I'm a loner. I'm a misfit, right?、Mm-hmm. And I said I just got married to you, and my status went up, right?、Mm-hmm. And what I really underestimated was right when I got married. All these very unhealthy interactions started to sprout up in in my in my class in my grad school class, and how I would describe it is like no one would pay attention to me in class. Like I'm just some regular old person, right?、Mm-hmm. But now that I'm married to you, I realize there is a handful of ill intent single females that tried to interact with me to to mess me up, you know,、mm. for 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 them to feel better about themselves. It's like oh, if、mm. I can get you to pay attention to me. Then I would feel better about myself at the cost of your marriage or at the cost of your relationships, and I really underestimated that because、uh, it was fascinating to me. And so I'm almost like even as we talk about it now, and I know we had these conversations before,、mm-hmm. but I'm like now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like I wonder if it was I, I wonder if it was intentional, or was it just because you became more aware after you got married? You know, that's that's a great arg that's a great argument too. Yeah. That what that was just happening all the time. <laughs> But then now that you were joined to somebody,、mm-hmm. then it became a different boundary. I I would say it did change. I would say it did change. What is up with people like that? <laughs> anyway, I'm not even gonna go there. But no, because we don't, we can't really assume their motives. But that was the trend. But、that、I did observe. Like, yeah, why are you talking to me? You're like, exactly. You know, like honestly, I wasn't talking to anybody. Right, right. I'm like, why are you coming up to me? Right. Or like, why do you want to be partnered with in this assignment or whatever? Right. And right. I was like, strange. Right. And so that's yeah. So there was a difference. Yeah. But anyways, and and it wasn't so much like you know business law or anything, but it was like in a health profession type of way, physical health profession where we would be in very very close quarters with each other. I feel like you should say it that is physical therapy, because、oh, okay. there's a context there. It's very different. Yeah, that's but that's weird. Like I say that, and there are a couple of physical therapists that you know we've. We've talked to、uh-huh. that our physical therapist that went through the same type of schooling that 
that did all these things. I don't think they understood what I was trying to say. Well, I understand, but then it's also because we come from different paths, though. You have a mm-hmm. different past and a different, you know, history with relationships with females than mm-hmm. they might, you know? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and so their standards and their boundaries are different. Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, because I think it gives it context. Like, it wasn't just close quarters. It was beyond that. Yeah. There were, yeah. there were times when, you mean, imagine what a physical therapist does, right? Yeah. And you have mm-hmm. to do certain techniques and you have to do certain types of maneuvers on fellow classmates mm-hmm. of the opposite sex. And they would de-rope. And yeah. de-rope, yeah. Mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so that's, that's a little bit more than close quarters. Okay, sure. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so I would... Honestly, every other day we would be in those situations, mm-hmm. and it was a very obviously it was in San Francisco, and it was a very liberal, liberal atmosphere. But they almost normalized that. Yeah. You know, it's just like, oh yeah, whatever. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And so, but, and I tried to like talk my way out of it, you know, and be like, hey, can there be accommodations or whatever? But, and I give you so much credit for that, really. Yeah. The fact that you would, because that was just so weird. Even your professor saw it as so weird that you asked me to hear it up with a guy. Like they were dumbfounded. They're like. Yeah. Uh, you're complaining? <laughs> you right. Know? Exactly. Yeah. I'm like, what the F, dude? Yeah. <laughs> it's like all female staff about, you know, all about, you know, you know, rights and equal rights and stuff like that. And I was like, hey, I don't want to objectify females. Can I be partnered up with a guy? And yeah. like, um, I don't think we can do that. <laughs> like, that would be discrimination. I'm like, what? Why? <laughs> like, why? That I would only pick guys, you know? <laughs> Yeah. And, and whatever. But anyways, it didn't work out long story short, like because our marriage was in such a terrible place and largely because of that. Yeah. And I couldn't fix that. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to quit. And so I quit. You know, I quit in good standing and it wasn't a huge class. So all my all my faculty was like, oh, no, we, we lost our 50K a year student, you know, you know, yeah. like. Yeah, I don't, you know, it's like, whatever. You left in good standing, though. You were a great student. Yeah, I know, but... You would have been a great physical therapist. But that's okay. That's that's why you can use it on me now, you know? So I (laughs) I get free physical therapy. Anyways. (laughs) So, yeah. So I'm a grad school quitter. Uh, Never finished school and and never had a career. Um, And then, which leads to the next next season, uh, number seven. I am a professional pooper scooper. But um, you were pregnant, and honestly... Did you number these? You numbered these. I did. These. So, oh, so, wow. that, okay. so that people can know that we're going to an end. We're going to hit 10, right? <laughs> so so right when you got pregnant um, with our oldest, mm-hmm. um, I had I had a, like a part-time job after grad school. From what I gather, it was kind of like you're around five, six months pregnant. And you're like, you know what? I, I kind of just want you like close by. And so I was commuting you know, a lot. Right, and so right. it's kind of like, I kind of want you close by just in case I need anything. So we had like, moved over to, to the, here yeah, already. To, right? mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Got it. And so, um, so I was like, okay. So I quit that part-time job and, uh, I just chilled at home making sure like, you know, Allison was okay. And then you had the bright idea of just out of nowhere. You, you wanted to get in this like gig economy and you, you was like, Hey, let's, uh, let's be dog boarders. <laughs> and I was like, what? It wasn't a... No. You know why? It was because at the time you were having major identity crisis because you were staying at home. Yeah. Right? And okay. it was like, I'm like, okay, I want to help you solve your problem, which was not healthy at the time, mm-hmm. but it, you know, God used it. Yeah, all right? Yeah. I want to say, but that was why. It was because oh. I was wanting to help you solve the problem and I didn't want to see you mopey all the time because mm. you were constantly like... 
ugh, and I didn't want you to be resentful yeah, of yeah. me. Because I was, I was had my plan of my career, and I quit yeah. that. And then I was like, well, at least I'm working. And then I quit that. Yes, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I was, I, I was actually, it was very fear based for me mm, because mm, it was mm. early on in our marriage, it wasn't healthy. Yeah. And it was really more of like, oh gosh, I don't want you to be resentful of me that I, I like caused you your career or caused you to like not make any money. Yeah. So I'm like thinking of strategies that would like compromise. You know, yeah. like you're still near, you're still home, but you can still make money. And so, yeah. yay, dog boarding. <laughs> in case you don't know what dog boarding is, it's basically having, um, it's like a hotel for dogs, but then your your house is the hotel. And so people yeah. would go on vacation, vacation and they yeah. would drop their dogs off in your home with the intent that the home environment would be more um, like home yeah, for the dog and they'd be more comfortable. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyways. Yes, yeah, go yeah. on. <laughs> so it's like a doggy hotel, yeah, yeah. for people that go on vacation. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I remember what I said to you. I was like, okay, fine. You can you can set this up, <laughs> but leave me out of it. <laughs> like, you, me, all the clients, you you do whatever. Is this what you want to do? No, I'm just going to be here for for you and the pregnant pregnancy thing. And it's like, you want to do that? Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> and, you know, two weeks in two weeks in on dog boarding, and you're like, honey, I can't do this. You got to take over. <laughs> I was like, you, you promised me. No, I didn't would... promise. No, you said. No, no, no. I said I was a lot more excited than you at the beginning. <laughs> I was like, leave me out of it. You're like, okay. <laughs> you said, okay. And then two weeks after, you're like, I can't handle it. You got to take over the business. It only makes sense because I needed to convince you that it would actually work. And the only reason. Were was... you convinced? You got convinced. <laughs> About what? When that... we got our first client, we're like, what the heck? Somebody actually reached out to us? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was pretty quick. Yeah. But it ramped up quite quickly and you were like, you know, like eight, nine months pregnant. Okay? Exactly. So it's like I couldn't like Exactly. I, I couldn't be like, Well, you said to leave me out of it. So exactly. take that. So I couldn't. So I just took over. And you know what? Long story short, okay, yes, I have not picked up more poop in my whole life. But <laughs> but we have met so many different people. Yeah. Like wow. Like from that experience. How long did we do it? Two years? Two to three years, Two yeah. Two to three years. We yeah. we boarded over two hundred something dogs. Yeah, I was like, even though I, I I almost prided myself was like, oh yeah, I was born in San Francisco and like, you know, I've been to you know so many places. I talked to so many people and I'm like, but those conversations that I've had before, like they're more or less like superficial. And even if it was like ethnically diverse, we in a way where we were in our own still echo chamber, being like in the city, I mean. Uh, yeah, meaning yeah. like meaning like we had a strong belief in something else that kept us like connected. Right. And so we always had something in common. But but these mm-hmm. clients like they were all over the board, and like we would end up needing to talk to them, right? Be like, hey, yeah. what's your dog like? And you would start to understand their lifestyle. Yeah. You know what the what their life is like at home, and you know the where they go on vacation and what they do. Like you begin to understand their priorities and their yeah. lifestyle. And I was like, yeah. wow, I learned so much about so many different people different types of people yeah Yeah. in the bay area and i was like it shocked me like wow i know nothing like you know (laughs) like i don't know people at all like yeah that season of our life of dog boarding has really i cherish that that we were we always go back to it yeah that we we got to meet so many different people and how they respond to stress you know how they respond to like oh my dog was bad i'm like it's okay and like you know to see how, how they deal with embarrassment or to see how they deal with whatever it's like it, it it allows you to see people, you know, and how people respond. Well, it was a very unique situation, though. You know, it was a very cool way to meet people yep. because you're they're in our home. 
Yeah. Which is an intimate place. Yes. And they've entrusted us with their dog. It's very personal it's already. It's very personal. And we, we were just met, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so, like, we had a lot of practice with quickly building rapport, I feel like. I feel like that's where yeah. we developed a yeah. lot of our muscles. Yes. You know, yes. like we would always do, we called them meet and greets at the yeah. time. Mm-hmm. And we would always try to make sure we meet and greet the fam or the, the people who brought their dogs as a couple. Yep. So they mm-hmm. saw us as a couple. Yep. And there was a certain way that we just represented ourselves and mm-hmm. flowed with the conversation. It was not fabricated at all, mm-hmm. but we started developing a rhythm of yeah. how to talk to people yeah, yeah, yeah. between us. You know, it's funny. We had so many reps of doing this. Yeah. We would literally be at a party in different sides of the room. And we would meet people, the same person, but individually. Yeah. And we ended up like asking the same questions, being like, "Oh, you live there? So, oh, so do you know this place? You know, like, yeah. you know, and it's like it's almost like scary for the individual. It's very uncomfortable for the people <laughs> yeah. because you would meet them in one side of the room, right? And yeah. then I would meet them in the other side of the room, and then we'd ask the same set of questions, and then they're like, "What?" Uh, and then we would join and we're like, oh, did you know about this person? And they're like, oh, yeah, I asked the same thing. Yeah, yeah. And he went to this school and he has this career now. And he has three kids. And he's like, oh, and he loves soccer. It's kind of creepy. And I was like, we have the rundown of the 10 things that make up a person's, like, you know, priorities. And it was like, oh, yo, don't you? And we're trying to connect and keep the conversation going. And they're like, and they're looking at us like, you asked that. Your wife asked that already. And you asked that of me already. I was, I was like, oh, we didn't plan this. I mean, like, it's just, we have so much practice we, just yeah, we trying to get to know a person in a short amount of time. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's awkward. People are creeped out. Yeah. They're, they're pretty creeped out. Yeah, it's really awkward. But yeah. that's true, though. That is a practice about yeah. you're, you're trying to make a person feel um, safe yeah. you know, in a new environment as quickly as possible. Correct. And, and we have to do that because, like, Dogs don't adjust as quickly. Correct. So you have a dog, a new dog, and a, you know, and, yeah. and you're trying to talk to people. You're trying to make people feel comfortable. Right. So you're right. It was like, it's like hospitality on steroids. Yeah, it really and, was. And so it, it was really a, was. It was a great practice for us. Yeah. And we made many mistakes. <laughs> we made many mistakes along yeah, the yeah, way. Yeah. And then we, I mean, I think we as our, a couple grew a lot in that season. Yeah. Like we learned team. how to communicate mm-hmm. with each other and we learned how to fix our mistakes and we all had a lot of arguments yeah. about yeah. you know this stuff but there's a lot of reps there mm-hmm. a lot yeah. yeah a lot yeah um number eight stay-at-home father i'm a stay-at-home father yeah and i didn't i didn't plan that per se um but it kind of was like allison wanted me, me to be at home so i quit that part-time job um and then the dog boarding thing ramped up pretty quickly and then in a blink of an eye our oldest son was born um but you you struggle with postpartum mm-hmm. and so I was rushing to get back to work. Yeah. 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 Like, I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't be at home. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, it was, again, you felt kind of like claustrophobic. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I, I took, it was just natural to be like, okay, I, I'll, I'll, I'll do more of the physical stuff, you know, with, with the baby right now. And I was trying to look for work on top of that after mm-hmm. that. But you're like, the dog boarding's going just fine. And your job is able to pay for our living. And it's just mm-hmm. like, why, you know, why search for like, caregiving or whatever if, mm-hmm. if you if you can do it and so and we were already we were away from our family at that point uh-huh, so yeah we didn't have caregiving help yeah mm-hmm. and so even though like i still struggled with like identity of like dude i had this model minority plan man yeah. you know and i'm yeah. like you know and I, I still couldn't let go of it really even though i did quit and like i threw away my career i was trying to look for another way to revamp maybe yeah. another career mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i still wasn't okay with letting it go and I was struggling with identity and, you know, like feeling a level of depression. I wouldn't say I can be diagnosed with depression. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, 
I would, yeah. That was pretty close. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was seeing a psychologist, and he was like, you're pretty close. But Yeah, yeah. Um, it just naturally was like, okay, I'll stay home. I'll stay home to take care of our oldest. I slowly became more okay with the idea that um, this is how I contribute. Mm-hmm. This is how I contribute to our family unit. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, I still I still struggle with the perception that I'm a yes. stay-at-home dad. Yes. Um, but here I am now, you know, after three right. kids. <laughs> three kids. <laughs> three kids. And, Ten years later. Yeah, and still staying at home. Um, but the dog boarding thing couldn't work out as, you know, as our oldest got older mm-hmm. and I couldn't do both at the same time. So we stopped that and which leads to number nine. I'm a soap maker. So eclectic as you're breaking it down. I know. It's kind of just, <laughs> hey, it works with the misfit thing. It's just odd, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and it was, I wouldn't say it was the greatest choice after dog boarding, but I kind of just opened up like a book from the library. I'm like, here are some options you can do at home. Mm-hmm. You know, candle making. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, like you know, doing doing transcription for a medical office, and yeah. all these all these things are 15 years outdated. And I'm like, <laughs> none of these will work, and I don't know why. I was just like, ah, soap making, whatever, okay. Like it just gave me something to t- tinker around with, you know, during the day. Yeah. Um. Long story short, like we we had a little Etsy sh- online shop, you know, and we couldn't sell soap for nothing. No one would buy it until we figured out like you turn it into a party favor yeah and then and then it's something <laughs> and i'm like first of all like you wouldn't buy the soap as is i'd make the smoke the soap smaller <laughs> and charge you like you know more per you per added soap. a dish <laughs> and i put a piece of wood under it <laughs> and say hey it's a party favor i'm like and then you buy it and so like it wasn't like a huge deal but but we made tens and thousands of soap favors for people all around the U.S. Yeah. And in France and stuff like that. And I'm like, that's cool that you think our little, <laughs> you know, makeshift thing was worth buying. Yeah. And, yeah. And that was interesting, too, just seeing the types of parties that people would take this to. Yeah. The types of businesses that would yeah. want that would want our favors. And, yeah, just learning and just yeah. learning. Uh, but, you know, after when the pandemic hit, uh, obviously... Um, the gatherings uh, were were limited, yeah. and so therefore, we're so our party are, favors are no longer <laughs> needed. needed. Yeah. <laughs> and so we, we we closed that, and I'm not yeah. sad about it at all. Um, and and it was just something that we did, or I did in that season. While we had two more kids, don't forget yeah, that exactly, part. Yeah, okay. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so so literally, like after the kids went down, we'd just be wrapping soap, wrapping soap. <laughs> Um, but which, which leads to number 10, um, that, uh, we're our, I am uh, a homeschooler. Yeah. Our oldest is what, seven, eight now. And so I've been homeschooling him for like two, three years. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why, I don't know why it's, it, it has a lot to do with our mentors. Yeah. Uh, you know, just seeing, just seeing how, um, they raised their seven kids mm-hmm. and the character that we saw in them. It's not so yeah. much about. Oh wow, they're so academically sound yeah. and whatever. Yeah. Uh, but coming from my background, where it's like, I cheated my way through school. Mm-hmm. But you would say that you know I'm I'm just fine. Like I know everything I need to know. Right. And so, I f- we felt that, oh yeah, we can teach our kids the same stuff without all the other types of baggage. Yeah. And and so that's what we're doing so far. And and we say this all the time. We take it year by year. And I feel like we convince ourselves. On a monthly basis, we have mm-hmm. to convince ourselves on a monthly basis that we're on the right direction. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. you know we we didn't grow up as homeschoolers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, but I think every month we see the fruit of it, mm-hmm. and we convince ourselves that we're in the right track. 
that month. And by fruit, it's not like, oh, they're academically advanced. It's yeah. not that at all. That's really not our focus. Right. Uh, I wouldn't say they're behind at all. Not at all. Um, but it's really about... Um, they're persons. Yeah. That's it. I mean, that was kind of long, but... Well, I mean, you ran through that whole list, and I feel like, yeah, we're getting kind of lengthy, and we're going to end it here soon, but everything that you said, the more you just talked about it, the more non-Asian American I kept thinking you were. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> because you're so freaking eclectic. Like, soap maker? What the heck? Yeah. <laughs> and then, definitely, I mean, not to say that there's no Asian Americans who home- who homeschool. We know, we know people um, who are Asian American mm-hmm. who homeschool. Mm-hmm. I will say it's not the majority. And I, I think that there's definitely always questions <laughs> when we tell our Asian American community or family even about homeschool. But I think our whole point was in the previous episode, it's just like, hey, like your story doesn't need to fit in these boxes. Yeah. It's, it's just what it is. Right. You know, and you still have um, a right yeah. and a way to, uh, to express yourself. And you're still Asian American, exactly. even though you you don't fit in these boxes. Yes. And if you don't fit in one, you just don't. But, right. but still, just look, what is your story? And then right. you, you can go from there. Do I have to give a list of 10 too? No, just say whatever you want. <laughs> All right, well, that's it. Next episode's my turn.